Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that starts each campaign as a fellowship, but we end each campaign as Monty Python. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, will be my is my brother, Peter. Here. How's it going? It's going, man. How are you? Nice. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. So <laughs> I, I I was talking to some, with some friends uh, this past week, and the concept of podcasts in general came up. Now, being a podcaster, obviously, I have a bunch to say because we're, what, 163 episodes in, right? So right. <laughs> we were just talking about, you know, how you start and all that stuff. And then the idea of, like, how do you listen to a new one? And they had a weird statement because they looked up our show because they were like, how many episodes you got? And they're like, you have 100 and whatever episodes. And they're like, that's going to be a tough sit. Like, I always start every podcast from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm like. I go, my show isn't because of how current the news is. You kind of should just jump right in and at the, you know, where we're at currently. And they're like, no, I like to see the learning curve of the podcast. Like go back to the very first episode and see how oh, you are. Interesting. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I get that. But it's not like it's not like we're a true crime podcast where you need to listen to every episode because they're doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We're literally entertainment news, which changes every day. So. If you're stumbling onto our show for the first time, what I'd like to say is this. Listen to a few episodes we got. I try and title the episodes to match whatever the topic or the list is, and then you can jump around. Like, we did an episode of Danny Trejo movies. The episode title is literally Danny Trejo movies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I try and tailor it that way so you can listen to what catches your attention. The news is all as current as we can be, and then – yeah, bounce around our list because, you know, uh, I know uh, our friend Mary Liz, who stops by the show every now and then, she started listening from the beginning and refuses to jump to current. She's trying to listen to every episode we've ever released. <laughs> so, um, oh, I nice. Just, I know she's very behind. I just know that that's the case. So, <laughs> do you know where she is uh, by chance? No, I really don't. Oh, okay. I haven't asked her. She, <laughs> she, just, she always brings it up. She's like, I'll see her like, and she'll be like, Hey, I just got to this episode. I'm like, Holy cow. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, if this is your first time listening, welcome. I love having new people along, along for the ride, but, um, we kind of talk about things we watch and read and then, um, we jump over to, uh, the news and then we talk a top five list for the night. Um, and it's always our top five favorite something, if you will. Um, but yeah, no, just, we've had so many episodes, honestly, it's best to listen to the, the most recent few and then bounce around the list. If there's anything that catches your eye. Um, I don't expect at this point, anyone to listen to every episode. So I, I mean, they can, if, if they liked the podcast enough to listen to them all, that's oh, like, that's I awesome. Would. You know? 
I would love well, someone to go back and listen to every episode. I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to jump in for the first time, I'm not expecting you to. So Yeah, it, but it is one of those things, like, most podcasts that I get into, unless it's, like you said, a true crime podcast or some sort of audio drama, like We're Alive or something, I almost always just start with the most recent episode, especially if it's news or pop culture-based or something, because you're going to be hearing – you know, the latest news, like I just said. So I, I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think our the newer episodes that we've done are better than our first ones, but I do think we have some gems back there. And if you want to talk about the learning curve of the podcast, I kind of see it as like, if we were doing stand-up comedy, like our first episode would be kind of like the first time we go to an open mic <laughs> and try to tell our five minutes of jokes or something. And obviously, like the newest episodes are going to be really where it's at. So if you do start with episode one <laughs> and you don't like it, try listening to one of the more recent ones. But um, no, that's uh, yeah, it's just an interesting conundrum and situation in general. So uh, but that's cool that you're getting more people to listen. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I mean, yeah. I always want new listeners. I just thought it was an interesting conversation. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, sorry, I had to cough there. What um, what? Uh, let's just jump in, though, man. What are we watching? What are we reading? What do you got for me? Yeah. So, um, OK, so Malignant, uh, James Wan's new movie just came out on HBO Max. Yeah. And I have not watched it, <laughs> but it's one of those like it's one of those force uh, awakens sort of situations where I feel like I've seen this movie after everybody else and everywhere I go on social media, people are talking about this movie and how great it is. And uh, my son has been doing this thing lately where he just doesn't want to go to sleep like at any decent hour. And it's one of those things where I just don't have the time to watch the stuff I want to watch because he's trying to stay up as late as possible and just watch Shrek on repeat, which is fun for what it is. <laughs> but There's a couple things that uh, I haven't been able to watch that I've been trying to catch up on. Um, with that being said, uh, I did try to make a point to watch at least a couple things more this week, because I know the last few weeks I feel like I've been slacking. Um, so I can keep everything pretty short, but the couple of things I did watch, um, I kind of started watching What If <laughs> on okay. Disney Plus, like Marvel's What If. But what I really did was, well, uh, I guess How about like this. Let me reason... stop you. Let me stop you real quick. If I I did start watch watching watching What If too, so if you want to hold that one, that's cool, and then we can talk about oh. that one together. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. I, for okay. some reason, I thought you were like current with the show. But um, no, I, I kind of had a roundabout way of getting into what if. But, yeah, we can save that for your review later. Um, I'll, just, I'll just put that at the end of mine. So go ahead. Otherwise, the other show that I started watching is uh, Why the Last Man on oh, Hulu. Yeah. I guess it's an FX and Hulu collaboration. Have you started this? You sound no, super just, excited no, about just, it. I was just interested. So go ahead. Absolutely. Um, so did you read the comic uh, I, Why the Last Man at all? I did not. No, I just okay. know the popularity and um, some of the pop culture stuff like I get. But uh, I don't. Um, I was kind of like when I knew there was a show, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to catch up with the comic. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I haven't read the comic either. And it's one of those things where um, I used to have or one of my friends uh, from a long time ago, we used to like trade uh, comics around and stuff, just kind of like, oh, I have this mini mini series or, you know, oh, you should uh, borrow this graphic novel and stuff. And uh, that friend that I had that 
I did that with for a while. He um, was trying to get me into Why the Last Man, uh, the graphic novel series, which I started reading. um, And I know people might be really mad that I'm going to say this, but I didn't get super into the comic. And the biggest issue for me was the artwork. And it's not that I thought the artwork was bad. It was just a it was drawn in a style that I just don't get super into. Like, it's a really well done. It's just not I'm. And that like I'm going to I'm you know, I was an art student and stuff, so I guess I'm a lot more picky about comic book art than a lot of people. But that kind of held me back from getting into the series. Um, so but I, I always thought the uh, the premise of the story was really interesting, like this worldwide crisis where every man on planet Earth drops dead, which is essentially what the series is about. Um, and it's every man except for uh, this one guy whose name is Yorick, who's kind of just this regular sort of slacker dude who um, is trying to become a famous uh, magician and he has a pet monkey and he is the only man who survives this very weird worldwide crisis where every man on earth drops dead. And it is a um, just the premise is so bizarre and out there. Uh, I'm only one episode in uh, on the series. I think it's I think there's three episodes that are out right now, but this is a series that besides being interest w- interested in this off the wall premise, um, I just thought the show seems really interesting. It's kind of an ensemble uh, experience where there's uh, like four or five different characters that you're kind of following and the show keeps jumping around from different characters. And it has one of those issues where certain characters you'll be really interested with them and their circumstances, probably the ones you relate to most. And then certain characters you might not relate to as much and you might get a little bit bored during those scenes. However, by the end of the episode, I was like super hooked because this, this show takes some crazy turns that I didn't see coming. And uh, it's kind of cool because yes, there's this weird worldwide crisis that happened that kind of sparks uh, all the events of the show. But the best parts of the first episode are actually just really personal circumstances and situations that people get in. And I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a moment towards the end of the show where something happens that's just so... It's one of those things that it really pulls at your heartstrings as far as one of those things that you'd always be afraid would happen. And then you see it actually play out in the show. And it's one of those things that I was like kind of in awe of the show because they went there and uh, just kind of uh, how the, the characters that were involved in this situation, how they, how the issue was resolved was really interesting as well. And that's my super vague way of trying not to spoil anything there. Sure. But if you've seen the first episode, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. But no, so far this this show is great. So Drew, I definitely think you should check it out. I'd like to uh talk about this one more in the future. But um right. yeah, besides Why the Last Man and uh a little bit of Marvel What If, the most that I've watched otherwise is just a couple trailers. Um, I watched a, uh, I watched one for a pretty big, uh, TV series that I'm hoping you did as well, Drew. So we'll probably talk about that a little later, but the other trailer I wanted to mention is, uh, this Netflix movie that's coming out, um, next month called there's someone inside your house. Um, are you familiar with this at all? No. (laughs) Okay. So this, this is, 
So first of all, Netflix, I think they're kind of honing in on this like sort of teenage slasher horror genre because they just they just killed it with uh fear street like that was such a fun like really good series and i think this is uh this is a sort of kind of in the same vein it's a teen slasher movie that they're put they're putting out um at the beginning of october but this movie is produced by james wan um you know of aquaman the conjuring insidious etc and uh, I believe the Duffer Brothers, it said from James Wan and the creator or the creators of Stranger Things and the trailer. And uh, this I don't want to say too much. I just think everybody should check this trailer out because it looks really fun. It looks like a just really good teen slasher film with like a really fun premise. But it also has that sort of um, <laughs> Stranger Things um, meta appeal to the world of like pop culture around us going on as well. So okay. I just think this movie looks like a blast. Um, there's not too much I can say. They do show a little bit of the, you know, every slasher mo- movie is only as good as the killer in it. I think from what I've seen in the trailer, I don't know if I'm in love with the sort of killer, the killer's sort of look you know i don't think the killer was as memorable as like a freddy krueger or a a michael myers or something like that but otherwise i think this movie looks awesome so i'm really looking forward to that one okay cool and Uh, for me that's pretty much it um but yeah i I didn't mean to cut you off there oh it's okay um yeah no i didn't have any question i was just i didn't i was about to say is that all you've watched um yeah what what trailer are you talking about to make sure uh the the new uh hawkeye trailer oh yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. talk about that. You you literally confused me enough that I was like, shoot, did I miss something? Yeah, um, I, was, I was trying to be vague about it. Like, I don't think I mentioned Marvel. I was just like a pretty big TV series. That we're yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. All right. So first off, um, my adult things that I've been doing this week, uh, my adult D&D group fell apart through the course of COVID. So I've been slowly building a new campaign, fresh start, that kind of thing, kind of in my spare time. And as the itch comes for me to play again, the itch for some of my a couple of my other my players in the regular group and some new people that have expressed interest in playing um, um, has surfaced. So I'm working on a one shot right now that I hope will turn into a extended campaign. Um because I like to write a one shot to get everyone hooked to go when we playing again. And I'm like, interesting you say that because then the story expands from there. So I've been working on that. So that's been kind of cool. Nice. Um, the uh, and then I've been I said I was reading. Uh, I'm trying to complete the achievement of reading every detective issue of Detective Comics that exists. Yes, um, I'm in the 300s right now. Um, and oh, what's nice. interesting is when you start reading Detective Comics, you get your little mini episode of Batman, but then you get other stuff like Slam Bradley and the Crimson Avenger and like some like other ones from back in the day, like the 50s and 60s. That's well, yeah, that's great. I've hit the pivotal point where it's Batman and all that other stuff is gone. And now it's basically Detective Comics is Batman with a Martian Manhunter adventure, too. Um, OK. Because Martian Manhunter's <laughs> first appearance was in Detective Comics as well. And the two of them kind of you, you have an issue and you have Detective Comics and then you have like a little like news blurb 
or you have the Batman little news blurb and then the Martian Manhunter. And then that's the whole issue. So like, I, that's crazy. I never knew that. Yeah. So I'm in the three hundreds right now. Um, I'm like I said, I'm cruising along. It's just kind of interesting to watch the evolution of the book. Um, there's some really weird, I'm, I think I'm either at the tail end of the golden age or I'm like just at the start of the silver age because it's getting weird. Um, and (laughs) stuff like in comics back then. So, yeah. Um, absolutely. (laughs) I watched, uh, aside from what if and Hawkeye, which we'll talk about in a minute, I watched the new Adam Sandler Halloween movie on Netflix called Hubie Halloween. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Um, this one, I think it came out last year, didn't it? You know what? I don't know when it came out. I just know yeah. that I saw a blurb for it and went, "Huh, interesting. I'll watch this." Um, so if it <laughs> yeah. did come out last, if it did come out last year, I'm like way late to the <laughs> table. But I don't know how many people actually watched it. What I will say is, this is like a stupid funny movie. Um, yeah, it's essentially Adam Sandler got together with his friends and made a Halloween movie, and um, it's stupid funny. Uh, there is some stuff that'll make you laugh out loud, like legit laugh out loud. But the rest of it's stupid, funny. Like I would compare it almost to like that uh, earnest, scared, stupid, if you will. <laughs> nice, um, Yeah. <laughs> and like kind of go back to like an old school, like really dumb humor type movie. Um, and every now and then you need a movie like that. So like kind um, of along the lines of um, I haven't seen it. I've seen the trailer and I remember it getting like a lot of hype or I guess as much hype as a movie like that could get. But it seemed from what I saw of it, it seemed like I'd compare it more to like the water boy where you have that sort of like main character that you don't really take seriously sort of thing. (laughs) I would, I would put it as a, uh, yeah, but I would make it say, let's say this, the water boy was good in comparison. (laughs) Um, Okay. So did you like the movie or you just kind oh, of snickered at it a little bit? And Overall, I enjoyed it, but it's like stupid funny and you have to be <laughs> kind to watch it. Don't go in expecting some like I mean, it's it's a comedy and it's Adam Sandler, but it's stupid funny. Um, OK, so get really I drunk and then watch it. it. I, I cannot <laughs> emphasize that enough. Um, OK, sounds good. <laughs> and there's some, there's some gags. It's like gag humor. And that's what's funny. Um like people like, you know, kids are like when he's riding his bike and Adam Sandler's like the town weirdo. So when he's riding his bike down the road or whatever, kids are like throwing eggs at him and stuff. But the objects that get thrown at him throughout the movie get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, it's just weirder, weirder and weirder stuff. And he do- he always dodges it. It's just it, it's funny. So you really got to. Yeah. Uh, you so what you're saying is. uh is Hubie, is that his character name? Yeah. I was going to say, you're saying that he's either um, Neo or he's a Jedi Master, right? Because he can always dodge everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at any rate, and then I watched, um, I started watching um, Only Murders in the Building. Have you started, have you seen the show or know of it? So I've heard of this. Okay. Um yeah, go on. It the t- the title it just sounds awesome, but I have no idea what this is. <laughs> the, uh, the show it's a it's a Hulu show. Um, episode five four just dropped, so I have not four five. Where am I in the show? Um, I think five just dropped, which I have not watched, but that's okay. I won't spoil. I, I'm going to give you the premise of the show. I'm not going to go any be anywhere beyond that. Um, so you have Steve Martin. Martin Short and Selena Gomez. 
um, all live in this apartment building in Manhattan. They all don't really know each other. They see each other in the halls passing, that kind of thing. Um, in the first episode, they all are going to the, they're all like end up on the elevator together. And it's like, hi, how you doing? That kind of thing. Cause they're all neighbors technically. And, uh, there's another guy in the elevator with them on a very heated phone call on his cell phone. Well, everyone gets off the elevator. They all go back to their houses. You see kind of how like their days go down and they're all sitting down to listen. Um, not the guy who has on the cell phone, but the three main characters, Selena Gomez, Martin Short and Steve Martin. They're all sitting down for like dinner or a glass of wine or however they're winding on their day. But they're all listening to the same uh, true crime podcast. Um, and okay. when they start the episode, there's a they start the episode to listen to the, their, this new episode of this true crime podcast. And there's a fire alarm. So everyone's got to get out of the building and evacuate. So they all evacuate. And the police say it's going to be a while before they can go in. So Steve Martin goes down to this restaurant that's nearby and he grabs a table and he brings his um, iPad and he's got his little notebook and starts listening back to the podcast because he's kind of following this like investigative event. And Martin Short, because of the there's too many people in the uh, there's too many people in the um, restaurant, he gets kind of stuck sitting at the table with Steve Martin and they realize that they're both fans of the same podcast. So they start bonding over it. And then Selena Gomez comes in and it's like, a, Oh my God, you're into this too. And the three of them start having this big conversation. Nice. Long, long story short, they all go back to the, they all go back to the apartment building and they find out that this dude committed suicide. It was the guy on the phone in the heated conversation. He committed suicide. Well, the information that they got entering the building, um, they're all like it based on what they saw in the elevator, because they were like some of the last people that saw him alive based on what they saw in the elevator. They don't believe that he committed suicide. So Martin Short, Steve Martin and Selena Gomez start their own true crime podcast to investigate this dude's murder or alleged suicide. <laughs> cool. Um, and because it's Steve Martin and Martin Short and their comedy geniuses, the show is hysterical. And then, you know, so, but the mystery is really cool too. So yeah, it's, it's been a really fun show. So, so far I, now, I, now I want to watch this. Um, the podcaster element sounds pretty cool, of course, but, um, yeah, the mystery element sounds so, really neat as well. And this so kind of sounds like a pretty creative, uh, premise. Definitely. Ultimately giving you a premise. I probably spoiled like the first half of the first episode. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but that's I was also I thought about it. I was like, wow, I'm telling you a lot. And I'm like, no, I'm really still in the first episode because then it kind of goes from there. So I was also going to ask uh, Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short, is this uh, is this show a comedy or is it more serious? It's I would say it's a serial comedy if I could uh, put a term to that, because it's very it's definitely a serious show in terms of dealing with the murder. But it is also really funny. So. OK, that's awesome, because the description of the show sounds like something. It really sounds like something that I could see Steve Martin and Martin Short doing. And then uh, Selena Gomez just happens to be there as well. And you're just like, <laughs> OK, OK, interesting. Yeah. But uh, no, that sounds really cool. You kind of uh, are making me want to watch this now. Yeah, I definitely check it out, especially the podcaster and you. You should. I mean, it's it's fun. Um, and it's yeah. kind of funny, like how they go about doing certain things and they talk about things that come up in conversation when you're like trying to pick your recording space and that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, that's exactly we, we have those conversations. That's a real thing. Um, 
There's uh, some of, there's some fun celebrity surprises too, like uh, Tina Fey, for example, is in the show and that kind of thing. So um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so that's what I watched. Um, let's talk about What If real quick. Um, I have meandered my way into What If on Disney Plus. I don't want to go too deep into this because I'm this this show kind of weirds me out a little bit. Um, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, but. I'm going to use the Agent Carter, the Captain Carter episode, the first one where Peggy Carter becomes Captain America instead of Steve Rogers, because this is essentially a multiverse show where this is the what if, because you're talking about alternate realities. OK, so instead yes. of Steve Rogers becoming Captain America, Peggy Carter became Captain America um, and she gets the super serum, super soldier serum. The thing is. Aside from her, the what if part of the episode, I basically watched the first Captain America movie in 30 minutes. Yep. So that's the part that I found really weird to sit through Um, the thing. And so I don't really know if this is a show that's meant to be connected to the big MCU picture, because like Star Wars, the cartoons are heavily connected to the big picture. So when everyone laughs at me and says, you're really watching the Clone Wars or Rebels, like, yeah, you really should. And then they watch The Mandalorian and go, man, I probably should have watched Clone Wars and Rebels. I know what's going on. Um, There's I don't know how big picture this is supposed to be. The thing that makes me wonder if it's supposed to be big picture is that it's narrated by the watcher. Yeah. And because it's narrated by the watcher. I feel like I should be watching because the watcher only appears when it's important. If you know your Marvel comics, the watcher is only around when it's something very, very important. Which makes me have high hopes for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because the watcher was in that. Um, Because Guardians of the Galaxy 2 hasn't panned out the way we want. That's why I say that. But um, (laughs) so far, I feel like I'm basically rewatching the MCU with slight differences. So like then you get to the T'Challa Star Lord and I'm like, well, I'm still watching Guardians of the Galaxy. It's just not Peter Quill. It's just so I don't it sits funny with me. Like, I feel like I'm rewatching the movie in shorter time span. Thoughts? Yeah. So the, I think how many episodes have you watched? Uh, like three. OK, so you've watched a little more because I've only watched two. <laughs> and uh, my issue with uh so first of all, does this connect to the MCU, like the bigger picture? I kind of feel like it's one of those things where it connects to the MCU the same amount that the what if comics connected to the Marvel comic book universe, <laughs> which is like not really. But we are entering into this multiverse zone. So, you know, maybe that we will see events from these shows actually play out. Um, more in uh in you know the bigger stories the good thing is like this is a short series like i think there's only six episodes correct and they're each half an hour long so you can kind of really burn through it so it's kind of like you know you've watched how many mc movies and series at this point you might as well watch through it um with that being said though i can say that typically i don't get super jazzed up about what if comics and uh some some of the like just multiverse stories and comic books in general, I get a, get a little bit tedious for me because I'm just kind of like, well, why do I need to learn about this alternate version of Spider-Man? Like, I'd rather just have an 
like a regular Spider-Man story. <laughs> like I'd yeah. rather have the story about the the actual character that's like canon in like the main version in the comic books as opposed to just having alternate versions of everything. But um, I do think it's cool, like some of the possibilities you can expo- explore with uh, what if series. But because of that reason, I was kind of a little bit hesitant about the series. And uh, then online, I think it was on Twitter or something, I saw somebody share a screenshot from the Marvel Zombies episode of What If? And I was like, well, if they did Marvel Zombies, I have to start watching this thing. So I actually started with the zombie episode and then I went back and, and then I watched the Agent Carter um, episode. And I think, uh, I agree with kind of your assessment of that episode. Um, and that's as far as I've gotten, but I do plan on watching all of them, like making my way through it. The zombies episode drew, I know you haven't seen it, so I'll keep my review really short and spoiler free, but I will say this episode felt like a zombie movie. Um, there was parts of it that reminded me of zombie land. There was parts of it that reminded me of walking dead. Um, A lot of uh, zombie movie tropes were in this episode. But like you said about the uh, the Captain America episode, it plays out in 30 minutes. And it got me thinking, like, man, do some of these movies need to be this long? (laughs) Because (laughs) this show just cut to the chase. And like, yeah, the story that I just watched, I could see them dragging out over an entire movie, which isn't bad. Like, I think there's a lot of. uh dramatic timing and stuff that was missing, but it was interesting to see um, a story condensed that much that most movies would spend two hours telling. Um, with all that being said, there there's some really great moments in the zombies episode because there's, like I said, there's moments that where you have these sort of zombie movie tropes that come up like every zombie movie has certain things that happen it just seems inevitable because it's just the kind of stuff that would happen in a situation like that but the thing about the marvel's this what if marvel zombies episode is all the main characters are superpowers with either or superheroes with either superpowers or special skills so when you see them come to the giant field of zombies that they have to get through and it's kind of a big conundrum the way that issue is solved is a much more interesting way than a lot of movies because these are characters with superpowers and there's a lot of really creative moments like that so okay. I just really appreciated it from that much where I was almost like, man, it'd be cool if they just did a Marvel zombies animated series. Cause I want to see all the creative situations they can come with, um, come up with and then see how they get out of them using their powers. You know, that's kind of a really cool aspect. You don't see explored in a lot of zombie media. And I know there's the Marvel zombies comics, which I've only read a couple of, but just an animated series of that, I think would be really fun. Um, but yeah, it's, I've been enjoying. Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say a slight, uh, slight peek to the news. Apparently, there's a live action Marvel zombies project in the works. Holy crap. I don't know. I don't know if it's supposed to be live action movie or live action series. I just, you know, um, yeah. (laughs) Either way. Yes. No, that's, that's that's really cool. I did not know that. Um, but yeah, that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. But um, well, I'm gonna no, I was watching, I'm going to keep watching. What if I just it's just 
everything's sitting weird with me. It's kind of like once I see the what if section, I feel like I could stop watching the episode. I really do. At least that's what I felt the first couple. So. And that's honestly what I've been hearing a lot of people say. Um, And I think that's why the zombie one I did enjoy from the aspect of like, and I don't know if it's a story arc that they took out of the Marvel zombies comics, but to me, this was just like an original story that wasn't based off of um, off of an MCU movie. And it was just kind of fun in that regard, you know? Sure. Um, well, um, all right, let's talk about Hawkeye real quick and then let's talk the news. Yes. Um, Hawkeye, uh, the trailer was awesome. I, I'm surprised it was as short as it was. That had, that had me curious. It wasn't, it wasn't as long as I was expecting. Like most trailers are longer than that. That was a short trailer. Um, the uh, the show looks actually really cool. I'm really kind of anxious to see his family again and see how that kind of plays out. It was nice seeing uh, Kate Bishop. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't know your Kate Bishop storyline, feel free to read up. But I know the majority of the uh, Marvel fans out there don't. I feel like I'm going to say this. I read comic books, but there's I, it's very rare when I find someone else who actually reads comic books these days. Yeah, Maybe it's because I'm not hanging out at conventions, but so many people don't read comics. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I mean, there hasn't been a lot of conventions the no, last few years either. I know, so. But like I read comics, but like when I talk to people, it's just I, I like I I hear that. I you know, I like to binge comics. So I always wait for the trade or graphic novel and then I'll sit and read. I'm like, yeah, but are you actually going and getting those and sitting down? And reading? <laughs> um like, I just feel like people don't read comics anymore. They just enjoy the movies, TV or whatever, whatnot. Um, so in terms of Kate Bishop, feel free to bone up. But I know you'll probably wait. Um, there's characters <laughs> that appeared in the trailer that really caught my attention. Um, yeah, we saw him as Ronan in uh, Endgame in the Ronan costume. But the actual Ronan was in the trailer. And then Echo and Maya Lopez and... Um, I was really like, wow, wow, wow. Holy cow. Like every time they dropped a new character, I, my, I kind of sat up a little straighter. Um, I wonder if you saw black widow, right? Yeah. Okay. I wonder if Yelena is going to be in the movie or movie in the show. She's not in the trailer. Um, but the way black widow ends, it makes me think that she might be there. Good call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was just my take of it. It looks a lot of fun. I think it's really cool that it's a Christmas show and they're releasing it on Christmas or like real close to Christmas. So, um, yeah, anyway. No, yeah, I think, uh, yes, I agree with everything you just said. Um, I just think the show looks like so much fun. Um, it's kind of funny because I feel like, um, like Hawkeye and, um, Kate Bishop, like, and, uh, I, what's Hawkeye? I know. So it's, um, Kate Bishop is played by Haley Steinfield. And then I can't remember, uh, the actor who plays Hawkeye, Jeremy. Jeremy yes. Yes. So, so th- those two in the trailer, I feel, and I feel like I don't get, I don't know if I feel like I've gotten this vibe from any other Marvel show, but I feel like those two actors in the trailer, they just seem like they're having a blast portraying these characters. Like, I feel like they seemed like they're having so much fun from like the little bits of action and dialogue we got from them. I feel like they had this sort of like really infectious, like fun energy to everything they were doing. 
And I don't know if I've felt that way about any of the other Marvel shows. And it makes me really excited to watch this because I want to. It just looks like a blast. And it's kind of funny because I think uh, their chemistry from what I've seen, as as well as like a lot of just the really cool action, is what stu- stuck in my mind. And you mentioned the whole like Christmas holiday vibe that the series looks to have. And I kind of completely forgot about that just because these other aspects were standing out to me so well. But it yeah, it does look cool. I'm hoping that like I can't remember what song it was, but I know it was like a Christmas song in the background of the trailer. And I kind of hope they keep that holiday vibe alive as well throughout the whole show, because I think that's going to just be so much fun. But that's kind of my assessment of this trailer is this show just looks like a blast and i'm really hoping that the the actual show is as fun to watch as i had watching the trailer if that makes sense yeah i gotcha no i i hope that the show is as cool as the trailer um there was some criticism uh this week from the uh director of the dune movie that said marvel there's too many marvel films and um they're all cookie cutter um which is an interesting criticism so <laughs> who said uh, that uh, the guy who directed Dune, the new Dune movie, um, he said they're two <laughs> cookie cutter, they're two cookie cutter movies and uh, they um, there's too many of them. Um, and I understand. And Spielberg and uh, uh, Scorsese have made comments like that, too, about how eventually the superhero movies will go the way of the Westerns. Um, and there's a chance that could, that could happen, but, uh, there's also a chance that that's probably never going to happen. So, um, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, get, you gotta get Hollywood back to what it was pre Mar MCU. If you want superhero movies to go away. So, so I think it's, um, I do understand like the two cookie cutter. Like, I do think that's a criticism that you could, uh, send to the MCU MCU. Like, I do think there's, um, they could vary things up a little bit when it comes to some of their movies. I think the too many of them is a weird criticism because, you know, like nobody ever said like that the James Bond series was too cookie cutter and there was too many of them. But you could easily lob that criticism at James Bond, like pre, um, you know, before the Dan- Daniel Craig movies came oh, out. Yeah, but that whole, that whole Roger Moore stint. <laughs> you <will. laughs> Absolutely. And but the thing is, but then you Every once in a while, you do have a Daniel Craig, James Bond, who mixes the whole thing up. So I don't know. The too many of them criticism is weird, but I do think like saying that MCU movies are formulaic. I do think there's some validity to that. And I do think that MCU sometimes does need to mix things up. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'm still happy to be getting these movies. You know, I'm happy to see these uh, heroes I grew up with come to life. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where else to go with this, but well, yeah. <laughs> well, how about this? Let's use that to segue into the news because we're running way longer than we normally do. Yeah, I know it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, I've actually taken a couple news stories off the docket just because I was like, we don't have time for that. Uh, so we'll jump into these. So first off, apparently, um, Venom 2 director confirms future crossover with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Nice. Saying that um, it will happen. Um, It's the when and how are the big questions. Um, But it sounds like, I mean, we've we've heard a lot that they've been in talks to do that for a while. What's interesting, though, is I'm going to push this over to Venom 2 a little bit. 
Uh, that's coming out very fat, very quickly, October 1st, uh, that weekend. That's when the movie releases. Um, Venom 2 is rated PG-13, but they say it pushes the PG-13 to its very limits. Um, the symbiotic sequel received a PG-13 rating for intense sequences of violence and action, some strong language, disturbing material, and suggestive references. Um I find this very interesting because one rule that kind of exists in um, the rating system is the F word. You are allowed one F bomb in a PG-13 movie. And then after that, it becomes like a rated R situation. Um, So they're basically taking Venom 2 and pushing it to this very edge of its PG-13 limits. I'm very curious to see what that means. Right. Uh, so well, I was I gonna ask like, go ahead. Going. No, which, oh, which, I was gonna ask like, uh, f bomb. Is that like a Green Goblin sort of thing? Or yes, yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> um, um yeah. no, but I don't know. Like, I feel like every once in a while you see a PG thirteen movie and your jaw kind of drops because it's just like, why isn't this rated R? But I think when it comes to Venom, the character, and when it comes to the original iteration of Venom where he was like just super, um, I don't know, like super vicious is the wrong word, but that's the only one coming to mind. But he literally was a cannibal who went around eating people's brains and they've kind of dumbed that bit down a little bit, but it's kind of like, to me, it's still in spirit of the character that Venom of course is going to be a PG 13 movie, but I'm glad to see it pushing the limits as somebody who enjoys like just the gore and gruesomeness and all that. Um, I also was going to say not to take us back too much, but Tom Holland, Spider-Man and, uh, you know, uh, Venom, Tom Hardy, Venom are going to cross over in live action on the big screen. And that's going to be in the Marvel zombie movie. Didn't you know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) I'm calling it. No, I'm just kidding. I wish that would be the greatest thing ever, but let's let's talk let's jump back real quick because you made that joke um tom holland spider-man and what if is not voiced by tom holland and other characters there's a couple other characters like t'challa and what if is actually voiced by um uh chadwick boseman so he did that before he passed away the reason i bring this up is there's a lot of articles out there that say this character replaced in the mcu this character replaced in the mcu Mm-hmm. It's the what if animated. And a lot of times with animated projects, they find voice actors to play characters if certain actors cannot be a part and play their respective roles. Um, so every like the way those articles, I don't know if it's I feel like those articles are clickbait to get people to freak out and go, what? Um, Tom Holland's still Spider-Man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, everyone chill out. Um, an animated project does not necessarily mean that the actor can't is not still playing the character live action. So. Absolutely. Um, however, let's talk about a Marvel actor who just became the new Captain America, and that's Anthony Mackie, um, has just landed another role in a new series coming. Um, he has been cast as John Doe, the series lead character in. Do you know what I'm talking about, Peter? Um, is this seven? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm not. John Doe not is sure. a very, very generic name, but that name absolutely. Is, but that name is a lead character in a specific video game franchise. I thought maybe you'd know because I'm pretty sure you remember this game franchise and enjoyed it. And that is the new live action series, Twisted Metal. 
Oh, cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we need this, but Anthony Mackie's going to be in it. Twisted Metal is just a badass video game. My um, experience with it is literally limited to just multiplayer at friends' houses, but I always thought it was like, I mean, this came out when I was in junior high, and just the aesthetics of that game is just so badass, like ridiculous action horror movie, just awesomeness. So that is really great to hear. I know they've been there's been talks of Twisted Metal. This is a series, you said, or a movie? It'll be a series. Okay, I thought they were going to do a movie a long time ago. So I know they've been Sony, so it'll probably land on Netflix because of the Sony contract. But oh, sweet. Um, But yeah, I mean, just overall, this sounds awesome. But yeah, as far as like character names from Twisted Metal, I don't know too much about that. I just really like the uh, aesthetic from those games, mostly. Gotcha. Okay. well, I just thought it was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, I don't know who's asking for that, but interesting. Okay. And I just remember people than you'd think. (laughs) And I just remembered you liking the video game when we were kids. Um, Yeah. However, speaking of things nobody's asking for, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are joining up together again to do a twins sequel. Uh, yes, you heard okay. me. Correctly. Yes, you heard me correctly. And <laughs> just to add to this, um, they'll also they'll be joined by um, Saturday Night Live alum Tracy Morgan. Well, as, Tracy as Morgan their, is just amazing in anything he's in. So as as their other lost brother. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's too good. So yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. In, in a world of sequels and reboots and remakes and how sick we can get of all those, I don't really mind the sequel. This sounds pretty funny. I want to see where this goes. Well, and then the last piece of news I got for you tonight um, is that Nicolas Cage says he will never retire from acting. Um, Cage says uh, in an interview with IGN, uh, that can't happen. <laughs> To do what I do in cinema has been like a guardian angel for me, and I need it. Um, I'm healthier when I'm working. I need positive place to express my life experience, and filmmaking has given me that, so I'm never going to retire. Um, I just feel like that's a very Nicolas Cage thing to say, the never going to retire thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the caption caught my attention and made me laugh when I read through it. <laughs> uh, so just like the uh, the new twin sequel, nobody asked <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think that's uh, that's really awesome. I really like that um, Nicolas Cage has kind of embraced the Mimi uh, persona that he's kind of built up over the years. And I kind of appreciate that he's been doing random movies like, uh, you know, like uh, Willie's Wonderland and just really just random, just fun stuff. And it's kind of cool. Like, I don't ever want to see Nicolas Cage quit acting. So. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool, but yeah. <laughs> and then they can use some de-aging tech on them, and you know what I mean? Like, why not? Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I just thought that was funny. All right, dude, Um, let's talk about the list tonight. You ready for that? Yeah, let's go for it. Perfect. All right, Ryan, you know what to do, man. Uh, roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right, Peter, this was yes. my pick. Um, so, like I said last week, we were kind of looking at the uh, idea of 
the idea of movies that are 20 years old, because I was like that, that idea that, oh, hey, there were 20 years anniversary of 9-11. What other movie? What movies came out that year? Um, so just looking back and taking a 20 year gander back into the movies, um, we're looking at the year 2001. So these movies and we have to have them ranked. That's that's our movie. It's when we do. Normally, if this is your first time listening, we don't rank our lists. It's kind of how we it's just we always save the one we like to talk about last for the top, I guess you could say. But otherwise, yeah, if uh, the, the order doesn't matter when we do a year like a 2001, we treat it like the Oscars. We rank them. What's our favorite? Um, and then if this is your first time listening to us, it's a it's a top five. But we allow two honorable mentions because there's a couple movies that it's like, man, I really wish that made the list kind of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just for perspective, uh, 2001 gave way to many great movies such as American Pie 2, uh, Rob Schneider's The Animal, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Bubble Boy, uh, Crocodile Dundee <laughs> in Los Angeles, Dr. Doolittle 2, Freddy Got Fingered. Um, the list goes on. Um, so we'll see what Peter and I decide to uh, talk about time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what were you going to say? No, I just I love that you pointed out all those movies, because the thing is, 2001, I think I was in eighth grade, like between eighth grade and freshman year of high school is when this uh, this year was. And going back to uh, look at this list, there's certain movies that I haven't thought about in years, but I can tell that I thought a lot differently about movies at that point in my life. And I saw a lot of movies. Like, I think I saw a decent amount of movies that year, but they were all like so many of them were just stupid movies that I wouldn't sit through nowadays. Like, honestly, most of what you mentioned, like Crocodile Dundee in, in Los Angeles, Bubble Boy, like there was some ridiculous stuff that I genuinely enjoyed back in the day that I don't think I would even spend the time like, on now. Like, but I'm for glad example, that you pointed out. Like, for example, Joe Dirt or Joe Dirte, as he likes to say. <laughs> as funny as it is, I actually like Joe Dirt, so I'm not going to knock that movie that bad. Anyway, um, did you do a movie count? Like, how many? Yeah, I, I think I had I think I had 71 um, once I counted, once I actually tallied all things up. So. Uh, I, in, the, in the year 2001, and I guarantee I didn't watch them all in 2001. It's a go back and watch here and there. Um, but of the movies in 2001, I've seen 109. OK, nice. So I and I know I always usually have the bigger count than you, but I was like, I'm, I'm impressed with the 71 for that year. Um, also, for 2001, the best picture was A Beautiful Mind uh, with Russell Crowe. Um, yeah, that was the best picture for 2001. Nice. So anyway, uh, this was my list, Peter. So you get to go first. How many honorable mentions you got? I got two, of course. So, um, I, so go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, oh, one more thing I just wanted to say is, like I said, I watched a lot of dumb movies this year, and I feel like there's a lot of the really big, important ones that I missed. So this is going to be an interesting list, and there's definitely some dumb comedies that made my top five. But that's all right, um, because I think it's all fun in general. Um, so honorable mentions. The first one that I want to mention, and I can keep this pretty short, but uh, the movie – Evolution, uh, starring David Duchovny and Orlando Jones and a few other actors. This is a movie that was one of the writers was uh, I'm trying to remember was one of the creators of Ghostbusters behind this. 
I think so. Yeah, I think it was like, um, yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel like because I remember it being really marketed as like, this is the new Ghostbusters. And the thing about this movie is like, I watched it pretty recently because it was on Netflix. Like, I think I watched it within the last couple of years. And this movie actually holds up pretty well from just comedy. Like, this movie is hilarious. Um, it's a really fun premise. Um, and it's just even like the CGI and stuff, I don't think has aged that badly. Like, I think it doesn't like a lot of the creatures don't look real, but they still have really iconic looks. And I think it's really fun. And it's not like. If you ever go back and revisit the Dungeons and Dragons uh, wide release movie with like, uh, I remember, uh, I think like Damon Wayans is in it and stuff like that. Or maybe it's Marlon Wayans. Um, But that movie, like the dragons and the monsters in that movie looks so, so horrible, you know, or like, you know, reptile in the original Mortal Kombat. But evolution, like rewatching that most of the creatures actually looked pretty decent and i was actually pretty surprised so drew i don't know if you have any thoughts on this movie but this movie i just think is a blast like it's it doesn't get talked about a lot but i think it's a fun movie to uh you know to pull out and watch every you know every five or ten years definitely yeah i really think i i agree with you said i really think this is one of those movies where there was like the guys from ghostbusters like we got to make a modern day ghostbusters and with x-files being as popular as it was it was like let's team up with the x-files guys <laughs> you know what i mean um and it kind of that's what we ended up, what we ended up <laughs> absolutely with. it's uh ivan reitman was he he involved in ghostbusters yeah. okay yeah. yeah he was he was the director so that's what uh i remember somebody's name connected to this movie with ghostbusters and i do that was a big part of the uh the marketing of course but uh yeah what do you what do you have next uh the first one so I said on the podcast that I love to ski um, and most skiing movies are not good. I know where you're going. Um, most <laughs> ski movies are not good, but this one holds a special place in my heart because I think it's hilarious. It's early Zach Galifianakis. Uh, um, David Koechner's in this. Uh, Lee Majors is in this. Um, th- this movie is just a lot of fun and it's the movie Out Cold. It's basically a snowboarding movie um if you've ever seen any like old school ski movie like it's it's like your 80s ski movie but in the early 2000s so uh, <laughs> it's definitely worth the watches there's some really funny bits like when the guy gets drunk and they put him in the car and spin it like you know what i mean like there's just some um there's some really good moments in the movie but uh i it just holds a special place in my heart because i like to ski and i have a, I have this horrible soft spot for skiing movies and like i don't care how bad they are i'll watch them so. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely no this is like like this is kind of a dumb comedy but it's also really fun and i think it's i think it's really good like i think it's worth watching if you know you're watching a dumb comedy but it's uh no I, I really like this movie a lot as well like it's super funny there's some really great scenes one of my favorite ones is uh there's a part where the main group of friends from the movie all does like a snowboard race down the mountain and in one hand they're holding a uh, you know a big mug of beer and the goal is whoever can get to the bottom of the mountain with the most beer left in their mug like wins essentially and uh the main the main character takes a big gulp of his beer right before the race and everybody thinks he's like drinking it and he's like having a disadvantage but the trick is he actually kept the beer in his mouth the whole time so when he got to the bottom 
before everybody else, he could just spit the beer back in the cup and he ended up winning. And it's just like there's a bunch of moments like that that are actually like pretty, pretty clever. And it's just a good time overall. So out cold. I really like this one as well. All right. What's your uh, next honorable mention? Yeah, so my next one is kind of weird. It is a Disney animated feature, and that is Atlantis, Atlantis, the Lost Empire. And uh, this movie, Drew, have you ever seen this one? Yes, and it's on Disney. Okay. Um, nice. up, so. This is one of those movies where, man, when I was growing up, you know, Disney movies were all the rage and. You had like uh, Aladdin, like that was a boys movie and that had like some cool action and stuff. And then like everything else was just like princesses or animals. Like I always liked Lion King, but I liked Aladdin more because it had that like real human like like there was actually fight scenes and an Aladdin that involved like swords and stuff. And that I always thought was badass. And that's always what I wanted. And. I felt like there's everything Disney was so princess based growing up. Um, but Atlantis came out and this was like, Oh, this is like a cool, like journey to the center of the earth, like esque sort of adventure film that came out. And this felt like more of a boys, uh, animated Disney movie. And I really loved it for that. Um, but I also think like some of the, the design work in this movie is just super, super cool and super fun. And this is one that I don't revisit it a lot, but um, I do every once in a while. And I do really enjoy the animation and the story they came up with and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just one, like I said, I don't revisit it a lot, but when I do, I just have a blast with this one. So right on. All right. Well, (laughs) um, I haven't seen Atlantis in a really long time, so I don't have a lot to say on it. That's why I was like, keep talking, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so my uh, my next honorable mention, uh, we've talked heavily about this one in the past, so I'm going to kind of keep it. I'll keep it short. But that's uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, nice. I, got, I got to see it two weeks in advance. I got to see it with cast members from the film. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's, that movie has a nice has a soft spot in my heart just because of like the, the adventure that I went on to actually get to see that movie. Um, and it was kind of a big surprise that, you know, you don't, you didn't, you didn't see that coming kind of a thing. So yeah. go back to, and listen to our, I wish we had the episode number, but the episode about our favorite convention moments, because Drew tells an amazing story about being invited to a private screening of uh, Jay and silent Bob strike back. And it was, it's honestly one of the best stories I've heard about like, that sort of thing, like a cr- private screening or just like a convention story, if you will. And that was just awesome to hear. So I'm just I'm just saying that for our audience. But, yeah, I would venture to say we've talked maybe too much about James <laughs> strike back on our podcast. But at the same time, I really love this film as well. So, uh, yeah, I definitely understand why this made your list. Yeah. And then uh, we're both just big Kevin Smith fans. So absolutely. You know. Absolutely. All right, man. What's your first actual pick of the night? So my first pick of the night, um, I won't go on and on too much. Uh, this is a movie I don't think we've talked about before, though, and that is uh, Donnie Darko. Um, so 
our brother, uh, our brother Sean has been on the show. It's been a while, but he was on our sh- on the show to talk about his top five favorite dragons. And if you ask our brother Sean, and I don't know if he still says this, but for a long time he said that this was his favorite movie of all time. Um, he just he loves Donnie Darko, and I, I like the movie quite a bit as well. And this is a movie where, when you want to talk about a cult classic, this is just. I don't even know how to explain this movie because I don't know as far as theatrical release if anybody really saw this thing. But by the time (laughs) I was like a junior or senior in high school, this had such a a cult following. And like I was, you know, in high school, I was definitely in the sort of underling class. Like I wasn't a popular kid at all. Like I kind of hung out with a lot of the nerds and weirdos. And it was kind of this like mythic thing where everybody in that group was just like, oh, you got to watch Donnie Darko. Like, it's genius. It's awesome. And this is a movie that it stars Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's in it as well. And she plays his sister, which is pretty funny. But this is a movie that seems like it's going to be a weird, like, teen horror movie, like maybe some psychological elements. But then you watch the movie and there's all these esoteric like time travel concepts in it and there's all this um there's also like a lot of just like obscure social commentary and stuff and it just makes it's a trip to watch like it's a very unique film and it's one of those films that when you watch it you're gonna have to re-watch it right away because you're gonna be like i don't know if i understood that and i don't know what exactly I just watched. And if you're lucky, you will watch it with friends who can kind of explain it to you afterwards. But I think the mystery and intrigue as far as the events of the film, as well as just the, I don't know, the character of the film, like it's just a really weird movie. Um, I haven't even begun to talk about the character, Frank, who's like the guy in the creepy bunny suit that, uh, Donnie keeps getting, uh, visions of, you know? And, uh, it's got like a really interesting character to it. And I think because of the uniqueness and the cult following of it, as well as just those sort of, like I said, high school memories where this was like the cool edgy. um, I don't want to say underground, but you know what I mean? Like the cool edgy cult classic film to watch. Uh, I think all that combined just made this movie have to make my list. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I absolutely love this movie. It's yeah. This movie is such a good time, like like you said, and it throws these weird curveballs at you. The social commentary mixed with this esoteric time travel concept thing. Yeah. When you really think about it, like if he was in one place, if he was just in a different spot at the beginning of the movie, the mo- the rest of the movie never would have actually happened or you wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's such a brilliant, brilliant movie and so incredibly bizarre. But when you talk about the cult aspect of Donnie Darko, you're right. I don't know if anyone went and saw this in the theater. I'd have to look at box office dollars for it. But when you you take that, that up into the account, I didn't know about this movie till it was on DVD or VHS or whatever it released on at the time. And we literally like it was one of those, dude, you got to see this movie. And like it was like this underground, like, dude, check this movie out. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's weird. It's 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 weird. It's exciting. It's it's it, it's literally everything. Honestly, I think you want to be in the movie in a movie like that. And you come away with it in this like sense of, huh. I don't really know how to 
process what I just watched and then it's time to watch it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Yeah. Don't watch the sequel. Stop. Just watch the first one. Skip the sequel. Don't even mess with it. Um, yeah, I, I never watched the sequel, but yeah, I do agree with what you said. And it's one of those things. If you haven't watched this movie, watch it and then watch it again and see what you got out of that experience. But um, yeah, Donnie Darko is awesome. So, well, all right. So my first my number five pick for the night, um, we've talked about this in the past. So I'm going to not go crazy. And that's the movie Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. Um, oh, nice. George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Don Cheadle, the, uh, Elliot Gould, um, uh, Andy Garcia, Julia Roberts. Uh, the the list goes on. Matt Damon. It's a huge cast. Uh, it's a heist film in uh, Vegas. Um, absolutely love it. The movie never gets old. Um, the twists and turns and the uh, like. It's one of those movies that if it's on. I just stop watching. I stop flipping. I'm like, oh, Ocean's is on, and you just watch it. Um, but I love, but I love this movie. I, I don't need to give it too big of a glowing review because we've talked about it several times in the past. Um, but if you've never seen oceans 11, um, yeah, you could go back and watch the original with like Sinatra and Dean Martin and stuff. But, uh, the George Clooney one, in my opinion, is just absolutely superior. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I love oceans 11. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we did a heist film podcast and we talked a lot about this one, so I don't want to say too much. But this is a really, really cool. This is a really cool film. This is a really good film. It's a really good time as well. And it's one of those when this movie came out, I think because of the cast and maybe I didn't even realize it was a remake like you were just mentioning. But maybe because of that as well, this movie really felt like it had a lot of hype and it really felt like an event when it came out. And it's kind of funny because I feel like people don't talk about this movie a lot anymore, but definitely a great film to uh, revisit and a great film from this year. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, what's your number four for the night? Okay. So my number four beginning, um, the silly, um, yeah, the silly comedy <laughs> dumb movies on my list. I went with wet, hot American summer. Um, I believe we've talked about this movie before. Um, I want to say it was early in the podcast. Cause I feel like I remember Ryan being in the room when I talked about this movie and just like smiling and nodding at everything <laughs> that I said. Cause I think if I remember correctly, he's a big fan of this movie as well, but, uh, yeah. no, th this is a movie. I didn't see this in 2001. I think I, it was like years later that I saw this film, but this is a movie that, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's a comedy and it's like it kind of feels like a parody film, but it's not a parody film. And it's I, very self-aware at parts. What we're going to say, I the way you said that it's a parody film, but it's not a parody film. And then you said it's self-aware. I'm like, yes, everything you're describing. It's, it's a weird yeah. movie to describe because you feel like it's it's a joke on something else, but it's not. It's, yeah. It's, and it's its and own. You have to. You have to un you have to watch it to understand it, because some of the jokes in this in the movie are so dumb and they're like not funny, but that's what makes them funny. And the movie's like letting you in on the joke because it's like pointing out to you that like, yeah, this is really stupid. That's why us in the movie, as well as the audience, is going to laugh at it at the same time. And it's like it's really hard to describe if you haven't seen this. But this is a movie that I've watched this with people who 
like we were bawling our eyes out laughing at the movie. And I've also watched it with people who didn't get it and just thought it was really dumb. And that's what I love about this movie, because if you get it, it's the funniest thing ever. And if you don't get it, you just don't get it. And I think I love the uh, divisiveness with this movie, but it's just it's obnoxious and it's great. Um, it's it's about a bunch of people working at a summer camp in like the 70s or 80s. And it has so many tropes. Like I said, it feels like a parody because it has so many old like summer camp movie tropes in it and stuff. But it's what Hot America Summer, I think, is something you just have to experience. Like, I don't think I can do justice to this movie by describing it on the podcast, unfortunately. I know it's really it's really hard. And it's essentially a movie about camp counselors, <laughs> you know, how right. Um, it's it, it does have a great cast, though, too. Like it has um, I'm trying to remember everybody who's in it, like Paul Rudd's in it. Um there's uh, I'm forgetting actors names left and right, but you'll watch the movie and you'll recognize 90 percent, if not more, of the people who are on screen. So that's pretty awesome as well. Yeah. All right. Um, well, my number four for the night is a movie called Curse of the Jade Scorpion. Do you know? Okay, this nice. Yeah, I've seen this and I, I I think I saw this in 2001. I thought it was hilarious, but it's. I don't remember much of it besides like some of the lines of dialogue and thinking it's great. So uh, go on. Um, this is uh, it's it's a Woody Allen film. Yeah. If you know Woody Allen. You kind of know what you're getting into, if you will. Um, but it's Woody Allen. And then it's a, it's basically a heist film. Woody Allen plays a private investigator. And uh, there's a jewel thief who basically hypnotizes people and then uses his trigger words to get them to go steal these jewels. Um, and he uses the and the pendant he used to hypnotize people with is uh, a jade scorpion. And uh, he puts you under this like prolonged hypnosis spell. Um, Woody Allen, Dan Aykroyd, Helen Hunt. Um, the love story between Woody Allen and Helen Hunt is hilarious uh, because they they don't get along. They they absolutely hate each other. One of my favorite lines in the ep- in the movie is when uh, uh, they're arguing over something and she's like, um, I can't even imagine being stranded on a desert island with you or something like that. And he says, um, if we were stranded on a desert island, it would only together it would only last twenty minutes because I'd build a bow and arrow and shoot you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot about that line, but that's one of the best lines yeah, of the movie. But uh, the, the movie's a lot of fun, and it's one of those movies that I honestly think you should watch at least twice. Because I think you'll watch it and go, huh, that was kind of a fun sit. But if you watch it a second time through, there's all these jokes and humorous moments and stuff that you completely miss. And it's really – it's a very smart movie. Um, I, a lot of Woody Allen stuff is very smart and uh, smart funny, if you will. But um, – but yeah, curse of the curse of the Jade Scorpion. This was one I stumbled on. This was back when you'd actually go to a block <laughs> video, which is a very old fashioned sentence. Um, and <laughs> you'd, go, you'd go to the blockbuster video and you'd be looking around for something to watch. And uh, it was one I was just with a group of friends and we were all kind of like looking for something. And I'm like, how about this? This looks cool. And like I just grabbed it because I liked Woody Allen and it said, you know, it was fun. One of Woody Allen's funniest. And I was like, let's grab it. Why not? And everyone's like, uh, OK, whatever. And then we all ended up thinking it was really funny. So uh, that's awesome. But yeah. Um, anyway, uh, what's your number three? Yeah. So my number three is another super goofy comedy. But this one I unapologetically love. 
Um, and I don't even know how well it's aged or anything, but I just love this movie so much. And that is Saving Sar- uh, Saving Silverman. Saving um, Silverman. I love this movie. Um, yeah, it's but... it's hilarious. It's um, it's basically you have Jason Biggs. And then you have Jack Black and uh, I'm trying to. Oh, Steve Zahn. I just had to look that up because I couldn't remember the actor's name, but they're three best friends. And uh, Jason Biggs gets a girlfriend that the other two friends don't like. And it kind of just goes from there where you have Steve Zahn and Jack Black just being like the two just two really at the time, like it's hard to say this about Jack Black now, but at the time I think underrated, just hilarious actors just coming up with these crazy scenarios about how they're going to break up their best friend and his new girlfriend. And, uh, the movie goes off the rails. Like there's a bunch of crazy subplots that ensue from there and the characters get in all sorts of trouble and stuff. But this is one that, the dialogue in this movie is both like stupid, but also genius. And I just think it's hilarious. Um, and I actually think this one holds up pretty well. I don't know. It was on one of the streaming services recently and I put it on and it was one of those things where, uh, my wife's parents were coming over and I just needed to put something on for background noise. And I'm like, Oh, I'll pop on saving Silverman. But then we started watching <laughs> just cracking up. Cause just the movie has so many ridiculous jokes. And like I said, I, I don't there's certain jokes that I think might have not aged super well just because this movie came out 20 years ago. But overall, I think the movie holds up. And like I said, I unapologetically just love this movie. And I think it's just a really underrated uh, comedy, if you will. So I think the humor in this movie, if it doesn't hold up, it's because it's out. I think dated. I think it's like there's a couple and mildly can't, offensive can't, jokes can't get away with than, stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's like there's a couple jokes that people might say is offensive now, but it's not like it's still like the humor holds up. It's just like some of the topics might not <laughs> sort of thing, I guess. Yeah, it's say God, this and it, the movie gets more ridiculous as it goes. Like, yeah. Like, it's just basically they're just trying to save the friend from the evil girlfriend that they don't like. The girlfriend's played by Amanda Peet, which is awesome. And then you throw in cast members like Arlie Ernie and then, like, Neil Diamond's in the movie because why yeah. not? And then, you know, like, <laughs> just, it's just it's such a funny, funny movie. Um, and it's just it's kind of brilliant the way it's put together. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yet. It's 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 hard it's hard to come up with, but this isn't or to come up with everything to say. But uh, no, this is a movie that like me and uh, I know our our brother Sean and some of my friends will still quote this movie out of nowhere and crack up. And uh, I'm just looking at the IMDb page. <laughs> I'm seeing that like Kyle Gass was in this movie as well. And I remember he's the guy at the beginning of the movie who hits on Amanda Pete at the bar. <laughs> and he, he has that opening line where he comes up. He's like. Well, I'm sure that guy you were just talking to tried to spout off some really lame pickup line. Well, I don't do that. I use magic. Cha. And he like pulls out like a bouquet of flowers out of his sleeve. (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. But yeah, I I love this film so much. I don't even know what to say at this point. Yeah, I know. Like it's we could sit and just quote Saving Silverman for the rest of the show. If you want, we could blow off the last few picks and just sit and talk. Yeah. Um, Top five saving Silverman moments. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to kick this one back to you pretty quick because my number three is Donnie Darko. 
Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I don't really know what else to say that like you didn't already say and that I didn't tack on. So my number three for the night was Donnie Darko, and I'm going to send it right back to you. Yeah, my Donnie Darko review, I was trying to keep it vague while also, you know, trying not to spoil anything while also describe the movie. But um, my number two, I can keep pretty short, but I went with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which on paper, like I love Kevin Smith. I love uh, the New Jersey Chronicles or the Jay and Silent Bob movies or whatever you want to call them. But I think this movie is kind of just a really dumb stoner comedy. But at the same time, it's kind of like. I've watched this movie countless times. It's almost like a go-to movie for uh, my wife and I, when we don't know what to put on, we put on Jay and Silent Strike Back. And I think it's hilarious. And uh, no, I I love this one. You don't put on Jay and Silent Bob reboot at all? Not as much as, as Strike Back. Um, Like I'm always down to watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot, reboot, but I don't think she likes that one as much as uh, Strike Back for whatever reason. (laughs) I'd probably put on reboot just because I don't know the jokes as well. Like it's, I mean, essentially it's the same movie, but it's, you know what I mean? So no, no, I, I hear you. And I probably need to watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot more, but um yeah, I mean, who doesn't, I guess. So, uh, but yeah, what's uh, what's your next <laughs> <Yeah>. pick? <laughs> uh, well, my number two for the night is a movie called Spy Game. Um, this movie, yes. I, I've talked about it in the past. Um, I absolutely love this game. Brad Pitt, Robert Redford, um, and it's based and it's a it's a CIA spy movie. Brad Pitt's a CIA agent who gets caught behind. He gets captured and taken behind enemy lines. And Robert Redford is trying to rescue him. But Robert Redford's stuck in Langley, Virginia, CIA headquarters under interrogation about what's going on. And he's kind of working behind the scenes to get messages sent across and, you know, that kind of stuff. So part of the movie is shown in flashback where you're learning details about things going on that got Brad Pitt to where he is. And Robert Redford in present day is trying to fix the mistake and get his buddy out and stuff. It's one of the it's such a really, really cool like espionage. And they do a lot of old school tricks. You know, it's not a lot of guns and running around shooting and stuff, but it's like that intrigue mystery. Like, you know, he uh, he makes that comment about how most spy work, you just need a pack of cigarettes and a lighter, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And Brad Pitt's like, well, that's not very exciting. And he's like, and, you know, they're, <clears throat> excuse me, swallowed wrong. Um, he, They're like sitting in a restaurant talking and he's giving them like training techniques. And he's like, hey, guy by the bar uh, smoking in the suit coat. Uh, do you think he's a threat? And Brad Pitt goes, how did you see that? And he points at this like lamp decoration on the table. And he had a reflection to the back of the room without turning his head. You know, um, and it's just little like spy techniques that you're just like, oh, that's clever. Check that out. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but the mystery is really great, too. And it's just a lot of fun leading out, leading up to it. So anyway, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to touch on with this one that we haven't already mentioned, but this is a great movie. I um, seen it Okay. when we yeah, when we talked about our espionage films like that list, um, I have seen this one, um, but it's I think I've only seen it the one time and it was like in 2001 or 2002. So it's been a while and I probably should revisit this. But I do. I did appreciate even at the time, the sort of really subtle, really sort of realistic feeling spy work in this one. Like it felt like this is how spies would actually 
interact and behave like it didn't feel like, you know, you don't have Brad Pitt suspended from the ceiling or in like some Mission Impossible scenario. But you have some really smart, intricate and interesting um, spy work, which I think is really fascinating as well. So, yeah. Um, well, that, I'm glad you I don't remember you saying you saw the movie back in the day, so that's all good. Um, what is your final pick of the night, man? Your number one. And you know what? There's two movies that I really feel that at, at first I was like, wow, Peter and I are going to match. And there's two okay. movies we went. I was like, wow, we haven't talked about them at all. There's a chance we didn't match, <laughs> but our final picks are very similar. So let's see what happens. Uh, what's your final pick of the night? Well, that's that's interesting. I was really curious if we were going to match, but I went with Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Hey, we did match. Um, oh, nice. Actually, because you hadn't mentioned Harry Potter, I was actually thinking maybe that oh. that's where you were going. So. No, I love Harry Potter, but the first Harry – like. The first Harry Potter movie doesn't beat out any of the other movies on my list for me, even though I do. I do enjoy that film series a lot, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I should talk about this movie first, but um, I guess I'll just jump into yeah. it. What's that? Um, and so what I can say, though, is as you could see by my list and as I mentioned before, I have a lot of just silly, dumb comedies on this on my list. Like I said, I, th- I think when I was. In 2001, the age I was at and the place I was at in life, I think I thought about movies a lot differently. But I think one of the big reasons I might have changed my perspective on films is because of Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, because this is a movie that came out and it really showed just really, really epic storytelling with very cutting edge uh, special effects for the time and uh just really showed the artistry and the kind of massive stories you could tell. And I think when I saw the fellowship of the ring, it was one of those things where I just, I think it hit me just how epic of a tale I was being told. And, um, you know, I mean, I grew up with star Wars and Indiana Jones and stuff, but I think Lord of the Rings really did sort of recapture that sort of epicness on screen that I really just I think I really just appreciated it. And I think it made me drawn to uh, maybe some more epic sci fi and fantasy concepts, because at the time, I think I was just really, you know, I'd watch a movie and I'd want to see some cool action scenes or see some cool um see or see some funny comedies and stuff. And I think Lord of the Rings really did change my perspective on film as a whole. So um, besides all the specifics, that's kind of the interesting part of uh, this year in general for me personally. So uh, Drew, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on uh, Fellowship of the Ring, but Lord of the Rings. I mean, you know, we had it was I, I I think it's interesting that the first Lord of the Rings movie comes out the same year that the first Harry Potter movie came out. And I remember thinking to myself, because Lord of the Rings released at Christmas, all three movies released right around Christmas time. And Harry Potter uh, released, I think, like months, like a month or two earlier. Um, so it was kind of like we all went to the theater and saw Harry Potter. And we're like, oh, that was a take on wizards. And then we all went and saw Lord of the Rings. And we're like, oh, that's how you do wizards. Um, <laughs> but, there was, but there was a uh, there was this absolute just utter sense of awe at Lord of the Rings. Um, that first movie and like you got to Oscar season and you're like, Lord of the Rings is up for best picture and they didn't win best picture. 
And you're like, but why? Yeah. It was clearly like legitly the best movie. And then you have to put in perspective, there's two more and Hollywood probably knows it. And if the other two are going to turn out even remotely as good as the first one, you might as well give the last one the best picture because then you're basically accounting for the whole it as a whole. And that's ultimately what happened because that third one won, wins best picture. Um, but no, it was just the epic scale of what they were trying to accomplish and knowing that they shot all three films back to back, like they didn't stop. They shot all three films at once and pieced it together later and did all the post stuff later, one film at a time. It's, it's an undertaking. It's a, it's a massive, massive undertaking to tell a story like that. Um, and I don't want to, and in terms of like a fantasy medieval times thing, the only thing I could think to compare it to in terms of like the filming would be something on the scale of like a game of Thrones. And I know game of Thrones right. shows so a little more long form, but when you're dealing with that, when you're dealing with fantasy, um, you're not, it's not like you're making people like, you know, put on normal clothes and drive cars and use guns and, you know, do office work and, you know, normal everyday Monday stuff. And you shoot those movies back to back. These take an incredible amount of teeth work and massive film crews and massive set crews and everything. So it, we were just in awe at this movie and what the future of film could be after seeing it. Um, and that's and that's where Lord of the Rings, like aside from knowing the story because I read the books, but and being excited for the next movie. But the movie ends on a cliffhanger because, you know, there's two more, but it ends yeah. in a way that it just stops and they roll credits. And you're just like, well, I can't wait for the that, next. <laughs> still that like, really threw me off when I first saw it, too. But you're also still just sitting in the theater when they get to that point. You're just like. Wow. Like you're just completely in awe at what you saw. And that's I, one of the things like you can say that Beautiful Mind wasn't best picture. But I think everyone walked out going, no, Lord of the Rings won best picture, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with everything you said. And um, I didn't uh, I didn't read the Lord of the Rings books before I saw this, but I did read The Hobbit. And I think um, being a little bit familiar with Middle Earth from The Hobbit, I just thought because you mentioned the epic scale of everything and even just like how dark the, um, you know, just how dark, like the concept of Sauron and like some of these concepts in this movie seemed really a lot more dark and a lot more epic than I was expecting. Because I think when I read the Hobbit, it, the images in my mind were a lot closer to that Ralph Bakshi animated Hobbit movies where, when you see when you saw Fellowship of the Ring the first time, you're just like, oh, no, this is legit. Like, this is epic and this is awesome. And it's hard to uh, really know what to say. I feel like we could go on and on about this film, but it's just it's really great. And it's really I feel like we're both kind of commenting on the um, how much it changed the game for just like fantasy and sci fi moving forward. And that's really awesome as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that does bring us to the end, and we could spend the next couple hours talking about Lord of the Rings if we really wanted to. But, um, and it's a movie, and it's a franchise, by the way. I feel like kind of slipped through the cracks, if you will. Like people don't talk about Lord of the Rings really anymore. Um, I know we have the Amazon show coming, um, and, but that's going to take place like thousands of years before what 
the movies we know are to be. I'm cons- I consider giving those movies a rewatch just because I'm kind of curious. Um, but in all yeah. seriousness, um, those movies are incredible. Um, and I know this. And I love this. A really funny Parks and Rec joke uh, where they Lord of the Rings comes up and uh, Adam Scott's character, Ben, uh, makes a comment because he's the big nerd of the group. And every time he starts talking nerd stuff, they shut him down like, dude, no one wants to hear that. Um, so Lord <laughs> comes up in conversation and he goes, you know, I actually wasn't a big fan of Peter Jackson's cinematic vision. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> like he says it trying to like sound intelligent to start a debate and everyone's like, shut up, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's just, I, I really, I really ended up liking those movies a lot. Um, so much so that I did not buy them until the, uh, definitive, uh, extended editions came out. Um, and I remember like, I remember finding out about the extended edition before the other, blue, the other Blu-ray DVD came out. And I'm like, well, why the heck am I even buying these now? I'm going to just wait. <laughs> you yeah, know, absolutely. I'll, I'll wait the three months and get the big, like, giant four-hour cuts of each film. So yeah. we people wait for the Snyder cuts to come wait, out. <laughs> wait for the Snyder cuts of the Lord of the Rings because they're, they're so good. And, like, I've seen them enough that when they play Lord of the Rings on TV, I know what scenes are missing. And I'm like, there's stuff not there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um peter uh this brings us to the end of the episode man what are we doing next week it's your pick yeah absolutely so um it's my birthday this weekend actually and oh, um holy we, cow we've i feel bad what's that i feel bad for going oh my gosh i'm suddenly remembering my brother's birthday um <laughs> no it's all good i'm i'm actually one of those people who never makes a big deal out of my birthday so it's right. it's not a big deal at all. Um, but, yeah, I do. I did want to I was thinking about it when trying to come up with a list idea. And we've already done the the top five movies from the year I was born. So I thought I'd do something maybe kind of similar. You know, we did in the past. We did our top five favorite dinner scenes for movies. So I wanted to do a similar list, which is, would be our top five party scenes from movies. Oh, so it's any movie any scene that involves a party. And uh, I mean, we both love teen comedies, so there's plenty of potential there. But party scenes are pretty prevalent in horror movies. I would even say certain action espionage movies like there's a lot of different places you could go with this. So this will be a really fun, maybe daunting, but really fun list to tackle, I believe. So. Wow. OK. Um <laughs> Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, that's going to be. <laughs> hey, you made me do dinner scenes, so I'm making. I know. Me do party no, I was just thinking about that's, that's very wide open. So, all right, man. Absolutely. Well, everybody, looks like we're going to be talking parties next week. Um, do us all a favor. In the meantime, check out our website, topfivereport.com, as well over social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, topfivereport at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the email, social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you can also send it, leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us um, it makes us feel good, or uh, it makes us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. I can't believe I stumbled over that that bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at drew three nine two seven Peter. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be petitioning for the Tom Bombadil cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
everyone for the uh, top five report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night.